Hello, and thank you for joining us today for Frost and Sullivan's latest webinar. Today's event is titled 2025, Vision of Fleet Telematics, Growth Recommendations for Vendors. My name is Anna, and I oversee Frost and Sullivan's Growth Innovation and Leadership Briefings. Our presenters today are Frank Levesque, Partner and Business Unit Leader, here Frost and Sullivan, Gokal Raghavan, Senior Analyst with our Connected Fleet Telematics Practice. And it is also our pleasure to have two guest speakers with us today, Adam McCarthy, Vice President, Marketing and Growth Initiatives, Athletics, and Colin Sutherland, Executive Vice President of Sales and Marketing with Geotab. With that, I would now like to hand the presentation over to Frank. Thank you, Anna, um, and, and thank you for the, the kind introduction. Um, and I'm certainly thrilled uh, to be leading this uh, exciting analyst briefing focusing on, on Connected Fleet today. Uh, and thank you, Adam and Colin, uh, for taking part, of course. Um, so really wanted to, to start this, um, this, this presentation um, with the fact that, you know, just a little bit of background, I joined Frost and Sullivan in 2001, and I was, I've been involved in this space of, of connected fleets and connected cars uh, ever since. And it, I think it's fair to say that, you know, the, the market has gone through various phases and ways of development. Uh, you know, initially focused on, on tracking and tracing, uh, we integrated connect, communication with drivers. We focused on fuel, uh, vehicle-focused uh, uh, solutions from telematics. And then we integrated the, the driver behavior. And, you know, today we are focusing quite a lot on, on diagnostics or, or more of a prognostics activities. Uh, and for all those years, the industry focused on improving TCO, the total cost of ownership, for the transport companies. Today, I see a, a fundamental shift in the focus on, on connectivity from total cost of ownership to value creation, helping the carriers to increase asset utilization, to increase the revenue on asset, reducing empty mileage, reducing idling time, reducing the underutilization that, that we are seeing in this market. The digitization of the supply chain and real-time matching of freight, supply, and demand is the next wave that will transform the transportation business as we know it today. I will now basically bring highlights on seven trends that we believe are redefining the scope and purpose of fleet telematics with a focus on, on, on the uh, com heavy commercial vehicles. Here, we focus on smart cities. Because on one hand, we have connected vehicle service providers that are sitting on, on piles of really exciting and powerful data. And on the other hand, on the other side of the spectrum, you have the local government, the, 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 the cities, that are crying for data to support their vision to enhance sustainability, to support their decision to, 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 on how to reduce congestion, how to curb emissions, and how to optimize urban uh, infrastructure projects. The, we, we see companies such as Fleet Complete, Geotab, here, TomTom, really starting to leverage that data to help cities uh, overcome uh, and build solutions uh, towards these challenges that they are facing. 
The open data, open platform is, is another key trend. Um, the, the open platform provides a, a systematic approach to simplify integration through open access to software development kits and application programming interface. Over the past two years, uh, the like of Geotab or, or, or Navista on command have been able to achieve significant growth in their overall subscriber base, adopting open platform technology strategy. Same as well for the like of Rio, which is the logistics platform launched by the, the Volkswagen truck and bus group Traton. The fact is, no one company can cover the highly fragmented nature of the logistics solutions market. And it is critical to build and develop a modular open platform. In fact, it is probably the only way to enable that required diversity. Many parts of the, the supply chain are, are operating today in silos still, and with significant amount of manual operation, whether using fax, telephone, um, communication, personal contacts, very little is automated. The digitization of the, the supply chain will enable to smoother and make more efficient the integration and orchestration and will enhance the visibility and transparency throughout the process that is required. And for me, the benefits are actually quite clear. It will optimize shipment and streamline communication between all parties involved. It will maximize service level through real-time functional visibility and traceability. It will reduce cost of operation through more flexible and secure order data integration and it will provide more accurate management of billing, auditing, and payment solutions. The topic of diagnostics, um, as, as, as most industry, the, the, the truck industry is moving to become more predictive, to reduce and optimize downtime from the asset. A shift from a unplanned to planned to being proactive, proactively or to preempt unplanned downtime, the most costly. Predictive diagnostics integrates a mix of, of three different solutions uh, or data sources. The first one, experience-based. is historical rule-based model, but the fact that it lacks system behavior, content, and usage. The second is a model-based, mathematical model based on, on deviation from the norm but it lacks usage and is based on scenario, therefore limited. And the third is, is data-driven base, with, based on data analytics and machine learning, but it lacks experience. And quality and quantity of data is critical for the model to, to, to operate and work proper, properly. It is, in fact, the combination of two or more of these methods that will allow to achieve predictability and uh, of occurrences. And we see some companies really striving and developing in that space. Video safety or video safety solutions. We see the global video safety market uh, expected to generate $1.5 billion in revenue by 2023, with an install base of 2.3 million units. Safety and security will continue to be the key drivers uh, for video solutions. 
uh, in key applications in hazardous materials, but across all in reality. But the video solutions will see strong market opportunities in data memorization, in data memorization towards cities, towards map providers, towards insurance companies. We will also leverage the video stream to map and optimize load capacity utilization, especially in collaboration with load matching companies, for example, but also in the advance of autonomous vehicles to provide safety, security, and operational visibility link in the absence of a driver. So really exciting uh, opportunity still to come in that space of video solutions. The next one is digital freight brokerage. I mentioned freight matching a couple of times already, where the premise is to tackle the major inefficiencies in transport and logistics and to be more precise, to reduce the quarter of the mileage of trucks that are driven completely empty, or to reduce the underutilization of load capacity, which is currently at below 50% on average. The premise of digital freight brokerage is to push more load into existing capacity by matching supply and demand in real time through better visibility of the freight flow throughout and across the value chain, inherently increasing load and therefore revenue per truck per kilometer. This is a key focus for the industry today. And the seventh one is truck as a service. Truck as a service for me is more than a buzzword. On, on, on the one hand, it reflects trends outside the trucking industry. But on the other hand, or, or moreover, I would say that it reflects the need for flexibility the sector requires. The flexibility to access the vehicle with various ownership models, various financial operating models, flexibility in getting access to drivers, flexibility in terms of connected and digital services, flexibility in terms of operations and analytics. For me, it is an opportunity to deliver more value to the transport operators through different operating models, different business models that bring flexibility that is required to succeed in this sector and to enable value creation throughout the life cycle of the vehicle. So this presents the, the, the top trends in, in, in us in this space. And I, I will open up to Gokul now to basically give you a perspective on the key figures that are driving this market across the various segments uh, of the, 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 the fleet market uh, that we study. Over to you, Gokul. Yeah. Uh, hi, viewers. Uh, this is Gokul from Frost & Sullivan. Uh, just a brief introduction about me. So I've been with uh, Frost for the past uh, five years, uh, five and a half years, tracking telematics, connectivity, connected vehicles, and uh, digitization efforts from the OEMs across the globe. Uh, uh, thanks, uh, thanks, Frank. Uh, thanks for your excellent uh, presentation. So as Frank suggested, so in this section, the idea is to present you uh, what are the key market metrics and the opportunity uh, avenues and the revenue avenues where we see in various vehicle segments. Like uh, we have included vehicle segments like commercial vehicles, which includes light commercial and medium duty, and we have included passenger vehicle fleets, and uh, we have included uh, off-highway, that is construction and mining, 
and as well as we have also included uh, the bus uh, telematics industry. So these are the various vehicle segments that we are going to touch upon in this segment. So going to slide number 12. So in this slide, uh, overall, North America and Europe uh, will continue to dominate the global connected free tel telematics owing to the penetration of about 25% and 19% respectively. So one of the major driving factors in, in North America include uh, the ELD mandate. Uh, so fleets and carriers are rapidly adhering to ELD mandates uh, before the full compliance stage uh, kicks in uh, after December 2019. Also, similar regulation is about to be mandated in Canada too. The only major difference is uh, that the Canadian ELD likely to require a third-party certification, unlike uh, U.S.'s uh, self-certification self allowances from the FMCSA. On the other hand, TSPs believe Europe offers them opportunities to expand, particularly in segments like passenger vehicle fleets and LCV. Prospective uh, opportunities arise from targeted acquisitions and collaborations. So with um, with that in mind, uh, going forward to the, uh, the other emerging markets and opportunities, what we have here is with uh, double-digit growth likely um, in the regions like India is seen as the big market for global TSPs. Key, uh, key segments offering opportunities in India include logistics, rental, public transportation, and heavy equipment. Uh, in addition to that, uh, we have bikes, there are also a likely avenue for telematics companies to focus for. Under India's uh, Ministry of Road Transport and Highways, vehicle tracking system will become mandatory for all public transport vehicles and commercial vehicles requiring national permit from January 1, uh, 2019. A clear indication of where the industry is leading towards. Although the regulation uh, concerning road transportation of dangerous goods are in effect since December 2018, Establishing presence in Chinese fleet telematics market is still challenging uh, due to local vendors' domination and unorganized fleet structure. What we are expecting is the significant growth that has been seen in segments such as heavy-duty heavy trucks, PV fleets, construction and mining recently in China. Uh, investment in infrastructure uh, development and strong policy initiatives for public safety and security uh, are the key drivers in countries like India and China that are going to propel it or drive it to the growth that, that has been indicated over. So overall, going forward, devising plans to establish presence in emerging countries, uh, leveraging the huge addressable market, and venturing into multiple vehicle segments will be the key, uh, key priorities for the TSPs. Moving towards the next slide, slide number 13. So in this slide, we have discussed about the market outlook of PV fleet telematics, otherwise passenger vehicle fleet telematics. So PV fleet telematics is one of the most nascent fleet telematics market across all vehicle segments, with just around 3.5% and 6% respectively in terms of the penetration in Europe and North America. So the key end user groups include leasing, rental, government fleets, which includes ambulances, police vehicles, and shared mobilities like uh, ride-hailing and car-sharing applications. So the service structure for FMS package is often built around basic location-based features, vehicle management, and safety-related features, since that targets the immediate pain points of end users. Some of the key services included are emergency assistance services, 
stolen vehicle tracking, automatic crash response, navigation, and vehicle diagnostics. The PV fleet telematics market is expected to grow at around 21.1% CAGR, reaching about 6.1 million by 2025. One important factor that is going to augment the aforementioned growth is increasing number of leasing and rental companies' effort to standardize telematics. So the role of fleet telematics or fleet uh, leasing companies in telematics has been accelerating in the last few years. Providers such as ALD, Arval, and Lease Plan are leading the way. ALD Automotive has so far installed more than 50,000 units via their Pro Fleet 2, whereas Alphabet and Arval are looking to strategize telematics as a standard fitment across key leasing models. Some of the key telematics uh, avenues that fleet leasing companies often focus on are service reminders, fuel reporting, driver behavior, compliance, and drought planning. OEM's leasing handles have also started to invest in connectivity platforms, such as PSA's Free to Move Connect, which has an active partnership with Quantic, Teletrack Nowman, Ocean, which is Orange, Orange Business Service, and TomTom Telematics. Whereas in North America, GM's uh, GM Fleet's OnStar is also in association with Verizon Connect, Spirion, and Fleet Complete, considered to be one of the top connected service vendors in uh, North America with respect to the passenger vehicle fleet telematics. Amongst the PV fleet telematics providers, Quantic Axodel, French com French-based company, is one of the key companies to watch out for. The company's rise in the market of fleet management solutions stem from its agreement with six manufacturers, OEMs, including PSA and its marquees like Citron, Piaggio, and DS. Moving towards the next slide. So in this slide, we are focusing mainly on the bus fleet telematics market and its snapshot. When we mean bus, it, this includes school bus, transit, and coaches. So the bus fleet is segmented into transit, coaches, and school bus or yellow bus industry, uh, which, was co which is co called in, uh, uh, in US. The telematics services are packaged to cater unique requirements of each of these industries. For example, for buses and transit, the transit and coach fleet in, uh, telematics are often built to cut across three different operational requirements, targeting dispatch center, drivers, transport companies. Routing and trip scheduling, ETA predictions, real-time monitoring, fault code monitoring, and critical event recording are targeted mainly for dispatch center or the control tower. Whereas the automated announcements like ticketing and driver consoles, messaging, and integrated MDVR are in for vehicle driver requirements. Similarly, for end users, ETA predictions and real-time notifications offer public to plan ahead of according to the route schedules. When it comes to the school bus fleets, the school transportation in, uh, is huge in North America, that is US and Canada, in which the yellow school bus has been one of the safest ways to get kids to school. The ownership of school bus fleets is predominantly with either school districts themselves or contracted to the third-party fleet operators. So Frost and Sullivan predicts that bus fleet telematics market in NA and EU is expected to grow about 10.5% CAGR to reach 1.1 million by 2025. And following are the key factors that will drive the aforementioned telematics penetration. One, steady increase in the awareness among the end users, that is school and fleets. OEMs, plausible standardization on factory fitment. Bus OEMs are expected to sell all core variants with standard factory fitment telematics. Role of value-added value integrations like video safety 
and 100% adherence from the small to mid fleet operators those who have lesser than 500 buses the telematic services are segmented into four core areas as suggested and for example safety security compliance and vehicle management package are given high priority when developing a package for school bus telematics frost and sullivan predicts aftermarket tsps will continue to hold a major market share post 2020 due to strong customer retention active subscription customization and wide network whereas oems will target for partnerships and free subscription options moving towards the next slide so in this slide we have given the market snapshot for off highway which means construction and mining equipment or in other ways heavy equipment industry so we have discussed about the telematics opportunities of uh, uh, telematics opportunities in construction and mining heavy fleet uh, heavy equipment fleets consist of specifically designed machines for executing tasks involved most frequently in construction and mining and these fleets often operate under razor thin margins and companies cannot afford to underutilize these very expensive assets and as such fleet managers need to focus on the life cycle cost of owing or leasing equipment such as uh, articulated dump trucks excavators dozers and loaders along with maintaining healthy vehicle utilization rates continuous asset and operation visibility efficient equipment utilization and mitigating unexpected breakdowns advanced resource distribution and product planning as well as the safety and security of both machine and operator are the main real world operational elements that this industry is struggling to address these operational challenges are by products of underlying issues tied to technological and managerial aspects such as improper application of integrations inefficient site management and lack of communications it's also uh, important to note the rental equipment industry's contribution which contributes to nearly 55% of overall heavy equipment sales in north america and hence equipment maintenance and asset utilization are the primary factors for rental equipment companies to leverage on telematic solutions excavators to dominate adoption as real time monitoring of vehicle performance are vital since it provides multifunctional applications frost and sullivan predicts that off highway telematics market in north america and europe is about to grow about 16.9% cagr to reach 5.6 million units by 2025 one important company uh, to note out here is komatsu's contracts which has so far been installed in more than 500000 machines globally it achieved its recent uh, installations of 10000 in australia and new zealand region prioritizing management of equipment operations and maintenance requirements industry iot device terminal behavior or mobile networks on site installations and operator training multiple payment modes and single point of contact from telematics vendor customer support are a mix of crucial parameters that fleet managers should fleet managers should assess to make profits and sustain growth in this challenging heavy equipment fleet industry moving towards the next slide so in this slide we are focusing on mainly on the connected truck telematics market opportunities when we mean connected trucks this includes light commercial vehicles and as well as medium and heavy duty vehicles so this one connected trucks connected truck telematics is the most developed fleet telematics segment with about 25% and 18.9% respectively in terms of the penetration in north america and europe driver related maintenance location based and safety solutions are crucial elements in a connected truck telematics package since driver centric challenges such as shortage of qualified drivers monitoring hours of service adhering to compliance standards and driver retention will continue to be top of the mind issues among the fleets globally lcv oems uh, lcv oems telematics units are still very low compared to their aftermarket counterparts 
the partnership activities are seen as an alternative to increase the respective presence, particularly in Europe. The LCV OEMs include Ford, GM, PSA, Renault, and Mercedes-Benz, where they have the, uh, they have established their own telematics um, um, uh, establishments recently in, in around Europe. The heavy-duty truck manufacturers in Europe are quite dominant with their in-house telematics, whereas their counterparts in North America offer telematics through multiple aftermarket par uh, uh, partnerships with vendors. So Rio from Volkswagen became functional from and factory fitted by early 2018, and which for us is an open open source platform, will continue to trend. And the Omnitrack's recent partnership with Red Hat is also a testimony to this assertion. Besides Europe and North America, India and Brazil also offer significant opportunity for the emerging telematics market. And acquisition will continue to target telematics companies based in Eastern Europe, India, Brazil, and Mexico. Tier 1 suppliers foray into telematics have also intensified in the recent times and will only intensify going forward. This includes makers of tires, transmissions, VLAN components, and others, like as well as leasing providers and safety system providers. An increasing number of leasing and heavy, duty, uh, heavy equipment rental firms are expected to offer onboard telematics through partnerships as well. So that's the overall opportunity in the connected telematics market snapshot. Moving towards the next slide. So in this slide, we have given uh, our vision from a Frost and Sullivan perspective on how the 2020 uh, fleet telematics, uh, 2025 fleet telematics is going to be vision, uh, visioned by us. So the first thing is opportunities to cater connected services or connected features that cut across multiple vehicle segments by building a modular platform which means a consolidation of services will happen through cloud. And the first point emphasizes that the increasing modularity and versatility of solutions will allow key players to deliver solutions across applications and vehicle segments from long-haul trucking to uh, short hauls to agriculture to PV fleets to off-highways and others. The fleet telematics likely to play a vital role in the future of mobility marketplace. For example, here's transportation as a service or the mobility marketplace, which here recently announced. The consolidation through the cloud means that we are going to see players like here, Amazon, bringing the solutions together from the back end and enabling enhanced solutions to carriers and all players involved in the value chain. And also, with the help of big data, machine learning, and IoT, the maintenance strategies are going to be easier, smarter, and most, uh, more importantly, efficient as well. So the truck and tire manufacturers are likely to commercialize basic prognostics by 2022, starting with engine and tire-based prognostics respectively. The shift in focus from fleet TCO, that is total cost of ownership, towards the end value generated and revenue growth opportunities, enabling end-to-end -end visibility, informed business decisions, data monetization, and much more possibilities. So the data can be converted into meaningful and actionable information by means of analytics, and reporting to add value and to be monetized in the digital marketplace. So data can be collected through a telematics platform and can help government agencies to predict traffic patterns, enhance sustainability, curb emissions, and optimize urban infrastructure projects. With the advancement in technologies such as artificial intelligence and machine learning, Smart City Initiative will mature into pre uh, predicting traffic and weather anomalies, collision avoidance, crime reduction, and other services as well. So that's it from me in terms of giving you a view of 2025 vision of fleet telematics. So moving on the presentation to the clients.
All right. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much to Frank, to Anna, the Frost and Sullivan team, uh, and certainly thank you to everybody who's with us this morning. So what I'll be talking to you about, my name is Adam McCarty, uh, Vice President of, of uh, Marketing for Lytics. Um, what I'll be talking to you a little bit about is just an overview of Lytics and who we are. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about some of the technologies that are changing our landscape and how, how uh, our clients operate. Uh, and then we'll also talk a little bit about the next five-year trends that we're seeing. So what are we seeing in the market today, uh, and what do we see probably continuing over the next three to five years and likely accelerating? Uh, one thing I wanted to get across about us is something that's unique about Lytics is that we are really the only telematics provider um, that is where video is the center of everything. And, and we've been doing this this way for about 20 years. Uh, so we do not deploy uh, a technology solution in vehicles that does not have a road-facing and a driver-facing uh, camera tied to it. Um, so just fundamentally, our belief has always been is that video changes everything. It changes everything about how drivers can keep their jobs by being exonerated. It changes how drivers and supervisors interact and engage. It changes the type of information that uh, corporate can get on its fleet even beyond um, just from a, from a safety context. Uh, a little more about Lytics. So we are based in San Diego. Uh, it's bright and early uh, San Diego time right now, so um, happy to be joining you. Uh, we were founded in 1998, uh, and predominantly when we first started, we were more of a DIY uh, uh, video company. So our customers would basically buy cameras and manage them themselves. And just the market demand about 12, 15 years ago, we were hearing that there's so much good data to get out of it, but they just don't have the expertise or the bandwidth to, to uh, actually leverage that. So we created a managed service. And really the last probably three to five years, you know, we've been evangelizing this uh, the last probably 10 to 15 years um, pretty loudly. And in the last three to five years, we've just seen the market uh, really go in the direction of video, and it's been really, really encouraging and exciting to see. Um, telematics companies are, are coming out with video. Yeah, we just fundamentally believe that video is the right thing to do uh, for the, for the uh, uh, fleet market. We enjoy uh, um, uh, protecting about a million uh, or more drivers worldwide. We capture a billion uh, miles every two weeks. So these are with 500,000 connected cameras on the road every single day, checking into us, sending us data, sending us information. As far as our clients go, uh, we've got some of the largest customers in nearly every space. Uh, so if you depend on a fleet to do business, we've, we've got a, a likely a larger enterprise or upper mid-market size customers that you can relate to. And we're honored to have these customers uh, to help us really align with us and share in our vision, which is that no commercial driver is ever the cause of a collision. This is just something that guides us. Uh, our CEO talks about it uh, quite a bit. Um, it's something that, it, that guides us as we're innovating and developing. We just we want to help our fleets and our customers get safer. And we're developing technologies. You know, we don't stop, even though we're we're kind of leading the way in video safety. We're continuing to push the limits and innovate around you know what our devices can do on the edge, what we can do in the cloud, um, to continue to add even more value for our customers and help them accomplish their, their goals as well. So some of the markets that we serve, um, we've had to create very different uh, technology solutions for each of these different markets. So for example, highway uh, is usually very high severity in claims costs, very low frequency. 
Um, and the risk when you're driving a truck is very subtle. So it's just, just a slight movement of the wheel off the road. It's a little bit of a dozing off and a tap on the brakes. Uh, so we had to innovate and create more of a machine vision AI solution for that about five or six years ago, which we launched and has been very successful in that over-the-road market. So we've been leveraging uh, machine vision to, to help detect more subtle risks in that market for a long time now. Uh, in the local market, so heavier vehicles in cities, more um, kind of moderate severity, but high frequency. So bumping into things, more low speed stuff. So what we had to create for that market was more of a DVR, connected DVR solution, along with multi-camera, because they wanted more vehicle from in, or more video from in and around the vehicle, which we're able to, to provide and has been uh, successful in that market. And then in field services, uh, very low severity and very low frequency. So safety and claims is a little bit um, less strong of a value prop. So we have a really strong video integrated uh, telematics solution for that market, which um, has taken off quite well as well. So we have just different, there's no one size fits all for all these markets, as I'm sure everybody knows, but we, um, we do a really good job of kind of catering to, to each of these markets and solving unique needs that they might have. So this is uh, just the fundamentals of safety, right? So uh, what a lot of video providers start out doing, uh, which makes sense, is on capturing those major collisions or those minor collisions near the top of the pyramid um, and, they, and try to get down into some of the near misses. Uh, what we really focus on is the blue through purple, right? So we're really, really focusing on um, making sure we're presenting the near misses, the high-risk behaviors, the risky behaviors. The challenge with that for video, uh, other video telematics providers, and a challenge that everybody has, is that it's a really delicate balance of noise versus meaningful information, right? You want to, video is really, really powerful. It can um, empower a supervisor, it can empower a coach to have a really good conversation with a driver about productivity or about safety. Um, but if you, if you alert the driver too much in the cab, or if you send the coach too many events or videos, then now you end up kind of watering it down and it becomes less meaningful and it ends up just being used really for the top two uh, buckets, which is the major collision and minor collision. So this is a, a big focus of ours and what differentiates um, us is that really focusing on these near misses, high risk behaviors and risky behaviors toward the bottom of the pyramid that we know lead to things at the top. And you know, we see video telematics use cases that they kind of fall into these different buckets. You know, we, uh, there's these different personas and profiles within the market. There's the group that just wants to know what happened. They're just, okay, so I just need to go back and access a DVR and um, that's good enough for me. Something happened in and around my vehicle, somebody bumped into me, my driver reported an issue. Uh, I just wanna go tap into the DVR and get it. And so we can provide, uh, we provide a solution that's standard for all of our products, um, is that you always have the ability to tap into a vehicle and in real time, don't have to wait for the trip to stop or for the camera to check in. You can tap in uh, yourself and pull any length of video back that, that you might need for a certain uh, incident. Um, for those that want to more manage drivers in real time, so we have a, a telematic solution where you can uh, see where your vehicles are, uh, fleet tracking offering, along with, then we start to trigger risk and detect risk from uh, throughout your driver's day. So out of the eight hours of video you might have on the far left, you know, we start to highlight a few key moments of risk. Um, and then on the far right is where, uh, that's really our flagship program, and that's where many of our customers decide they want to move up to the far right, which is more actually changing behavior. So 
So in that bucket, now we start actually categorizing about 60 different behaviors to any individual event. Commonly, they only have between one and three or four behaviors, but we're reviewing for 60 different behaviors and attributing those to an event, to a driver, so that they can be coached and monitored. And it's a very kind of predictive, programmatic approach to reducing risk within a fleet. Um, so how do we detect risk? This is kind of where the secret sauce comes in. And, and so we leverage all sorts of different inputs on the left. So there's, there's speed, there's ECM, there's GPS, there's video, machine vision, um, all these different sensors. And the trick is not just being one-dimensional about it, right? Not just tracking hard breakings and showing people hard breakings. We take all this different context we analyze it for our customers and we decide what is the right amount of video or what is the right video to bring back to have an impact on this driver. Um, this is where really the balance comes into play. Because again, if you start showing people too much stuff, then you're bothering drivers. If you start showing them uh, too little, then you're missing potential risk and opportunities to engage uh, with, a, with a driver. So what is a user experience like uh, for one of our customers? So we have devices, again, in over 500,000 vehicles connecting nightly, uh, checking in with us, looking to see if there's risk um, on there throughout the day to transmit to us. Um, so from basically driver goes on throughout their day, we're detecting risk, and we transmit that to the cloud. We have artificial intelligence that is evaluating the events and determining, okay, is this high risk? Is this low risk? You know, what's the right? what's kind of the right thing to present. Um, from there, we have analysts that actually review every single event that comes through, and they're attributing those behaviors to the events. And then it gets cycled back, now fully curated, it gets cycled back to that driver's uh, supervisor so that they can engage with that driver and help them drive better. This is just kind of the circle of life uh, that you go through. So again, we're taking what could be thousands of hours of video throughout the day, turning that into what are the exception moments from throughout the day? And then putting another lens on that and actually reviewing it for customers and telling them, hey, of all the things that you care about, you know, these are the most important things and the things that you should focus on. These are your, your ticking time bombs uh, waiting to happen from a collision uh, prevention standpoint. So technology that's really just changing the landscape is, is MVAI. So we are really, really excited about this technology. We've been working with it for six or seven years now, uh, the machine vision side. Um, and uh, uh, what once was, you know, people thought of as a liability, having this review center where we're reviewing millions of events a month has turned into an, an incredible asset where now uh, we are labeling and tagging, um, again, 60-plus different behaviors and situations to all sorts of video. So from, a, from kind of an autonomous vehicle standpoint, this is really, really exciting. Just the number of the data points that we get just on a daily basis um, to have autonomous vehicles out there getting experience in these different scenarios um, it would take a long time and a lot of vehicles to get that so again 500,000 vehicles we're picking up vehicle type all the behaviors assigned to an event uh, all these road conditions all these situations geography day of the week all these different data points that we're able to um, pull out from, again, these over half a million vehicles that are connecting uh, uh, every single day. So where do we see uh, trends the next five years? So what we're seeing a lot of is this telematics convergence. It's not probably a surprise to anybody. Um, but cameras have been, uh, seem to be quite a bit more accepted and widely adopted. Just in the last two to three years, we're seeing really, really big rush for folks to start to get cameras in there. And now, uh, I think nearly every telematics company 
um, uh, of size is starting to consider or develop uh, deploy cameras, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, and we're seeing increasing demand for consolidation. So instead of having four or five vendors to consolidate down to one or two best in class so that, that actually talk to and integrate with each other. We're seeing um, a lot of requests for that. Uh, machine vision and artificial intelligence, um, this is going to continue to be a, a big driver. I think just about every off-the-shelf camera now has some sort of machine vision AI that can come with it. You know, the, the warning that we see is that unmanaged MVAI, um, we know, does not does not necessarily change behavior, um, and it can have actually negative impacts on drivers and uh, on coaches, and you can kind of turn the system into something that's a negative versus a positive. Um, and then autonomous driving is obviously a theme that we that we hear a lot about. Um, you know, we believe that true level five autonomy is is definitely more than a more than a decade away. Um, and in fact, we have an interesting perspective because we're starting to see fleets even struggle with drivers adapting to level two autonomy. So they're coming to us and saying, hey, our drivers are, you know, we think that they're um, not having two hands in the wheel when um, they're, they're doing their adaptive cruise control. You know, can you help us monitor this? So we're seeing um, actual driver skill deteriorate a bit while we're in this like level two through four phase of introducing autonomy to driving. Um, so we're going to see, uh, we continue to see a lot of pressure for um, customers just asking for help with that. And uh, hopefully that's been an informative um, uh, session for everybody, and we'll take questions at the end. Thank you, Adam. This is uh, Colin Sutherland uh, talking. Uh, good day, and thank you um, for hanging in for the last few minutes. And I'll, I'll cover for about 10 minutes where our organization believes um, we all, as a telematics industry and vendors to the telematics industry, need to prepare ourselves for uh, to be relevant in the next five years uh, by the year 2025. And I think relevancy is really important. Um, as if you're a small retailer right now, you're probably questioning how do you go to market in order to, for you to become relevant in the year 2025. And as Frank pointed out uh, quite well in the initial presentation, um, I completely agree that supply chain is key. So as we're moving goods and services from the warehouse through multi-modes of transportation, ultimately through the last mile to the customer, every person, every organization along that value chain needs to understand what is their value and how are they contributing to, uh, to growth over the next five years. And we are at the heart of it. The cool part about the telematics industry is, as Frank showed in the one slide from uh, manufacturing through last mile, there are absolutely vehicles that are in between um, all the different aspects of the movement of the goods and services. In fact, I don't think vehicles are really the total cost of ownership that Frank talked about. Is one of the things that we need to change as our industry goes forward. It really isn't about the vehicle being perceived as a depreciating asset with a total cost of ownership. It really is about vehicles being the data drivers um, and combining the vehicle data, whatever vehicle that may be, from a ship to a, a e-scooter to a last-mile uh, delivery van or, or commercial truck. Um, but we need to combine that data, to those data sets together from those vehicles with the data from the actual goods or services that are being delivered. So it's an exciting time. Uh, Geotab is excited to be one of the industry leaders with 1.53 million connected uh, vehicles today. Um, we are... I believe still the fastest growing telematics company in the world 
Um, and we are because we understand what our value is. We are a data collection and a data-focused organization. Frank touched it on, on, on it this morning when he said that he sensed that there was a transitioning happening, and I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, for the last 20 years, the fleet telematics industry has been linear and transactional. And uh, to be more descriptive about that, really we have TSP, telematics service providers, that are selling services to single business customers. And there's a one-to-one -one relationship between the TSP and the customer. Um, the customer may want it for a various number of reasons from productivity or seatbelt monitoring or maintenance or fuel, uh, regulatory compliance reasons, as we saw earlier about the ELD mandate happening in the United States right now, and which will happen in Canada, and it's happening in India for AIS 140 for buses. Compliance is a good reason to deploy technology. It's something that you have to be, uh, you have to be aware of in your various regions. Um, but the choice of whether to adopt telematics has always been based on a return on investment that the customer shows for themselves. So the TSTs or the various people that were producing telematics services were talking to customers, government entities, commercial businesses, and so on, and they were trying to convince that entity that telematics was good and that it would pay for itself. So the ROI model was exclusively between the telematics provider and the customer. If the customer didn't see an ROI, they didn't deploy. And we're at this moment in time, which I believe uh, – Frank characterized in terms of the value chain, we see it in terms of multiple stakeholders of data. Um, we think that multiple stakeholders and data is good. Uh, today, there's an increasing interest from many suppliers in this ecosystem. We see that through some of the merger and acquisition activity. We see it from uh, some of the uh, small suppliers that are in the industry wanting to resell telematics on their own. They're trying to make a fine business case. They want the data. They want to get involved in telematics. They believe in order to get involved in telematics, they must resell the devices and the services directly to the customer, and, uh, and that's terrific. So we're seeing an awful lot of interest across a broad, broad ecosystem of suppliers, partner people, TSPs, OEMs, supply chain logistics companies, all understanding the value of the data, but the primary stakeholder of the data will change. The primary stakeholder of the data for the last 20 years has been the business themselves. They were the one determining whether the ROI was there. They were the one determining whether they would make the investment. A ride share, uh, the rideshare industry is an outstanding example of how multiple stakeholders and data is how it will change. Where in the rideshare industry, if I were a personal vehicle owner and I was deciding to drive for one of the rideshare companies, I may want to have a telematics device in my vehicle for my own personal safety reasons or for maybe business versus personal miles record keeping. However, in the future, the leaseor of the vehicle to the driver of the rideshare, the insurance provider wanted to make sure that if an accident did or did not happen, it happened while on ride sharing or, or doing a commercial trip for rideshare versus your personal trip. The maintenance providers that are possibly even the OEM involved in the rideshare initiative are absolutely wanting to make sure that not only are you interested in using the vehicle for generating revenue, but you're holding up the maintenance cycles for oil changes and so on. So the primary stakeholder is not the sole most important person in that scenario. All of these other providers are equally important and equally 
are motivated to pay money for the data coming from the vehicle so that they can provide goods and services back to the rideshare company to be successful. So we have multiple stakeholders in data. And this is where this entire industry is going, in our opinion, by 2025. It's about redefining who stakeholders of data are. These are all opt-in. This is not a Facebook scenario or any of the things that we're seeing in the press with consumer. And as a fleet industry, we must be sure that we're clearly defining the difference between fleet and consumer practices because it's a very big difference. And we're always talking about in business that we're doing things properly and that they're opting in, that people are aware of what is happening. This is not about the stuff that is going on and the news that we all read about. So multiple stakeholders broadens the ROI, accelerates the fleet telematics deployments. We believe that it makes it ubiquitous, that this is the key to unlocking the untapped potential of fleet vehicles that today have not deployed telematics because the business owner themselves has chosen not to engage in the data while this ecosystem of suppliers around them did want to deploy. So in order to get there, and a couple of people have talked about machine learning algorithms and AI, we absolutely are, uh, believe in that. We have over 30 employees in our data analytics and artificial intelligence uh, department. And in order to solve for a very simple business case, this is a diagram of it, we were trying to solve for predictive battery maintenance to figure out when a car or a truck battery was about to fail several days before, in fact, it failed. In order to do that, you can't just look at amperage, you can't just look at voltage. You have to look at other diagnostic data from the vehicle, mess that together in the machine learning environment in order to determine that the information is that this vehicle is about to break down. But before you can get involved in machine learning, it's very important that you get first into organizing the data that you're collecting. Because not every vehicle, not every aftermarket device collects oil pressure, oil temperature, uh, battery voltage PIDs in the same exact way, in the same label. So when you're labeling data, you're actually assigned it to a universal label so that you can then organize the data, no matter the source of the data and where it came from. So it's very important to be able to do that in order for you to engage in it as a business in machine learning and to be relevant into the next five years. And relevancy does absolutely mean trying to figure out how to be agile and on your toes. You must really focus on labeling your data. And as a supplier industry, to all of your partners that, that are on this call today. It's essential that you yourselves understand this and that you yourselves are understanding how is your data collected? What labels do you associate to your own data? Do you actually label data yourselves internally across all of your internal systems from ERP to CRM systems exactly the same? And I'd wager that at least 75% of the people on this call today, their businesses do not. And then before you can actually get into modeling and taking advantage of the cool technology that's coming, you must absolutely organize your data. And once you do, I mean, for us, big data is uh, something we collect about 3 billion pieces of data a day. We've been doing this for several years. It's up in Google BigQuery. And we make those data sets available for free. So we're an open platform. We believe in collaboration with our industry. Uh, with the 1.5 vehicle vehicles that we have deployed around the world in about 130 plus countries, um, all of that data is aggregated in an anonymous form. It's made available through a software development kit for the entire industry to participate and to innovate. And here's some examples of all the data that we collect. We can find areas of high idling. We can find hyper-local temperature data, road temperature data, because the vehicles have an ambient air temperature sensor. We collect the ambient air temperature sensor from vehicles, and we make that available in the cloud. It's pretty cool stuff. And all of this data is available, and it's just way, the way to move forward as an industry. The other trend that I think is going to be essential in 2025 is electric vehicles. 
So I'm not sure how many of you are aware, but after 2022, there's virtually no research and development being done by OEMs in combustion engine technology. So we've maximized the capacity of a combustion engine or a transmission uh, in terms of research and development. All of the effort is going to be put into electric vehicle and hybrid technologies. So therefore, in the 2022-2023 model year, which is just around the corner, your vehicles, the vehicles that your customers are buying are going to be electric or hybrid electric. They'll still have some legacy combustion stuff, but they will be highly incentivized to move to an electric and a hybrid electric environment and you need to plan now. You need to not only worry about odometer VIN, the battery change status, so the battery state of charge, the vehicles are charging or driving, driving energy, um, not talking about miles per gallon anymore, we're talking about kilowatt hours um, now in that environment, you need to change vocabularies, but we need to help our customers plan for infrastructure, the charging infrastructure, so that we can go and monitor charging status and how we are charging up all these vehicles that we have on our prem, especially for fleets, they may have 100 plus vehicles on prem. How are they going to charge all of that? So finally, uh, you know, in terms of the 2020 evolution preparation, I would leave you with these following points. For us, data handling is key. Sourcing procurement must include data access, data security, and data strategies and its priorities. This, you know, no, we don't see this so much in, in North America. In North America, we see the stakeholders of a telematics or a data strategy coming from the CTO or CIO. In Europe, however, we see sourcing procurement and human resources people being the stakeholders in driving RFPs and the acquisition of telematics data, and we do not see those people educated in the areas that are really important, like data access and data strategy. So we have to educate, educate customers when making strategic decisions on telematics to make sure the data strategy is at the heart of the, uh, of the thing. I think that the telematics industry is going to have to evolve. A lot of the TSPs that are in this industry that have that linear one-to-one -one transactional relationship with customers, they're going to need to evolve their way of generating revenue. They're going to have to be more consultative and not worrying about signing up contracts with long terms and maintaining the base of their customer. They're going to have to engage the customer much more frequently. For government partners, universities are a great place to start. Um, we have many engagements with government. We like them to engage with both university and with industry to develop data access policies to enable them to problem solve. Um, some of the problem solving they're trying to do is just traffic congestion. Should we have public buses? Should we be relying on rideshare instead of public buses? A good way to rally the troops around your government strategy if you are on this call and you're state local or you support state local or federal um, government is Vision Zero. Understand what Vision Zero is. And, and then try to develop a Vision Zero committee or become part of a Vision Zero committee with your local state government. And then with that, you're trying to solve for zero traffic-related fatalities, both pedestrian and vehicle. And from there, it mushrooms out. You can start talking about smart traffic lights and different things that are more predictive. I've already addressed data labeling. It's essential. If you don't have a data label strategy, in fact, if your customers don't have a data label strategy, we're not going to be able to engage in the future of the technologies that are that are out in front of us here. And then finally, embracing open platforms. Um, open platforms are, uh, to me, the collaboration of our industry. It is not the closed platform network that we see some you know, people that are trying to hold on to a subscription base um, embrace. You know, in our organization, uh, we have long-term visions. We work for a very long-term schedule. We, we invest in uh, the technology for the long haul. And I truly believe that in order for telematics to properly evolve over the next five years that we have to collaborate. One of Frank's slides showed a truck and he said that truck as a service may be a collaboration. You may actually have 
two competing brands having their, their products on the same truck being delivered. We also believe the same with the telematics industry. This is the telematics players coming together as a unique infrastructure, sharing data from car makers and from the aftermarket providers, and then sharing that outbound in order to do what's right for our industry to be able to move forward and solve some of these bigger picture problems and opportunities that are in front of us. So with that, I thank you for your time and attention, and Anna, over to you. Thank you so much, Colin. So we're going to go ahead and start our question and answer session. So we'll try to answer as many questions uh, possible live. If for some reason we do not get to your question, uh, the team will take that offline and get back with you. So just a quick reminder, I've extended our session by an extra 15 minutes. So um, we'll go ahead and get started right now. So our first question here, um, this is uh, quite uh, a long question. But I'm going to uh, it's several questions into one. Sorry for the long question. Unless OEM players come together to standardize telematics interfaces or regulations force it, what's the scope for third-party telematics to exist? What would stop OEMs from creating, let's say, in-house telematics solutions when they have so much rich data in-house, which can be tightly integrated. There are already in-house solutions being offered by OEMs. What would prompt a make or buy decisions in this case? Um, I, can, I can take that, Anna, uh, or, or start at least. Um, I think, first of all, this is, this is probably one of the, the, uh, the oldest questions uh, in the telematics space. Um, you know whether uh, space for te telematic service providers versus vehicle manufacturers, um, and and there's, there's a reason for, for for both to 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 exist until until now for sure. Uh, one is uh, on on one end the vehicle manufacturers have deep knowledge, deep understanding of the te technicalities technology within within the truck and are the best in many ways uh, to support uh, clients in in dealing with uh, the the uh, the data that comes out of the of the vehicle uh, on on the other hand their customers the the the, the transport operators uh, for the very large majority are multi brands uh, and therefore expect a solution that cuts across their entire um, uh, fleet and that is part of the, the, the challenge of vehicle manufacturers, is to be able to actually deliver a solution uh, to the entire fleet that is, for the majority of this, as I mentioned, multi-brand. And that's the space uh, for um, independent uh, telematic server service providers. I will, I will, I will say that has been the case uh, for the time, uh, for, for, for the past 20 years in reality. But even going forward, um, if we take uh, into consideration what has been said during this call. Um, we realize that the future of telematics goes beyond the truck, goes beyond the, the driver, goes into the integration of the supply chain, in the digitization of the supply chain, and the integration of the, all this data to help the, um, uh, the, the operators to make the right decisions, or in fact to automate the decision to um, uh, improve the efficiency of their of their asset, and and that is something that the independent, the data uh, orientated organization, those or those that have built the open platforms to date, uh, are have certainly an advanced 
in in comparison to the the vehicle manufacturers today, um, and this is something that um, uh, will certainly be a, a very exciting battleground battleground sorry uh, for the, in the next few years. But maybe Adam or Colin, you may have some comments on that as well. Yeah, Frank, the only the comment that I, I guess I would have on the OEMs is that there is an effort from uh, some of the SAE uh, OEMs involved in the SAE standard to come together to create a standard set of labels. Um, I think our, our um, experience has been that it has to be customer driven, that the OEMs on their own aren't going to create a standard set of labels. My concern is that OEMs are currently very consumer focused and not fleet focused. So I think our job right now, we, we work with some of the OEMs on their embedded solutions, is to educate them on the difference between fleet and consumer. So fleet needs more data than consumer data that is presently being developed amongst uh, some of the OEMs. And we need to educate them on what the standard sets are. Um, if any of the people on the call have very large customers, what we do with our large customers is we work with them and the OEMs to do a large education on here are exactly the data sets that we're expecting to receive from the, from the ECM. And then we believe at the end of the day uh, that the car makers will figure out who they are um, if they want to be proprietary and captive, as the question suggests, and keep everything to themselves, they'll find out pretty quickly in the fleet industry that not many businesses only buy one make and model of vehicle, that you have to be ubiquitous across multiple makes. So I think it's, a, it, it's one of those things that some of the car makers have very, uh, very, uh, not a lot of experience in fleet, and if they want to be involved in fleet, which is profitable business, we need to make sure that they're educated on what the, what the needs of fleet are. So embrace them. They're not enemies. OEMs are terrific. Uh, organizations, we need them for the future. Uh, so uh, just, just embrace that reality and, and spend your time educating um, OEMs on the reality of what fleet customers need. Thank you. Thank you, Colin. Thank you, Frank. Yes. Now, this question is for Frost and Sullivan. Frank, you discussed about the global video telematics services. What is the breakdown between markets here, U.S. versus EU versus Asia, in terms of installed base revenue, for example? So what what we have um, today, right, 2000, 2016, just to give you an idea, uh, the market, the global market was uh, to a very large majority, about 87% uh, North American, 7% uh, Europe, um, to just over 2% Australia, and so on. Uh, but this is going to, to change, uh, we believe, uh, and, and the, there's, a, there's a, a shift, in, not, not in a completely a shift, but there's a, there's a shift in focus um, on a global basis where we see significant growth uh, in Europe, we see significant growth in the rest of the world generally, um, and, and we will see by 2023 our prognostics is that North America will account for about 67%, Europe about 15%, uh, Australia uh, 5%. And what's also important is to see slightly different features that are requested across the market, also because of regulatory uh, requirements uh, associated in each of these markets. But uh, Adam will be uh, probably able to, to, to add on to that as well. No, I agree with uh, agree with everything you said, Frank. So, um, I mean, even in the uh, EU markets, specifically some of the features you get, you know, we get requests to um, blur license plates, blur people's faces. The privacy is really, really um, uh, tight and restrictive over there when it comes to being able to record video. 
Um, so we we definitely see opportunity, but there's a lot to still work through in places like the EU and, and Asia to be able to kind of get video to that place and, and uh, get it more widely accepted. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. Thank, Thank you. you, Frank. So level five in a decade? Tesla says they will be ready next year. Volvo reckons they will launch before 2025. Why do you think it will take 10 more years? Yeah, so uh, this is Adam So I from Lytix. Um, so I've been uh, with Lytix for about 12 years now, and you know, autonomous driving has been a topic of conversation repeatedly. Um, it's a very exciting technology. I think it's, it's going to be here and make a huge difference on how safely we can uh, operate on the roads. But you know, I look back, and in 2015, there were predictions about 2020 being the year, you know, and then it slipped out. Um, and then I would look at what level five you know, really means for us, and it, it means that the driverless car can operate on any road and in any conditions that a human driver could negotiate. So basically, any and all roadway and environmental conditions, which I just, for Tesla doing that next year, or anybody doing that in the next two or three years, I think you could. I think they could solve for a specific condition. It could be like a highway driving condition um, where you could be mined off the road. Um, but then there's like a lot of legal liability uh, challenges that haven't really been worked through the courts yet. Um, who's going to take liability when an accident happens? Is it the driver? Is it the OEM? You know, who is the technology? Who is it? Uh, there's legislative challenges that still haven't really been worked through, and we know that can take a very long time. Um, there's infrastructure, just you know, especially in the cities, and sensors on street corners, and you know, things that are um, more related to to being able to kind of help the vehicles drive. There's technology readiness, so uh, there's just a lot still to be done. So anything happening in the next couple years, I, I would think, is a is a stretch. And I was even looking at some of the uh, OEMs. Um, uh, their timelines and Hyundai is saying by 2030 they expect full autonomy and then you know Daimler uses the term of nearly fully autonomous by early 2020s right so I think people are already starting to hedge a bit and there's a little bit of a race to claim autonomy but then you have to kind of dive into what that really means and and what level five actually is and I think it's just quite a bit further off than what uh, people are talking about Thank you, Adam. And uh, we have one more question here. Um, what will be the effect of the autonomous vehicle to the telemetry industry and all we have heard today? This is Colin. That's a, that's a super question. Um, because the telematics industry is not vehicle-centric, it's data-centric, and we're interested in the movement of goods and services through multiple modes of warehouses and vehicles, the autonomous vehicle will change the employment environment of the person that's in the vehicle. Uh, they may not be a driver, now they may be a delivery person. So they may be a customer ambassador. These, just because vehicles drive, the person that takes care of your lawn uh, doesn't mean that, that the vehicle will take care of your lawn. So it'll be quite interesting to see uh, autonomy is, is absolute, uh, automation is absolutely important. Um, the data, uh, from the order from the warehouse through the vehicles is super important. I think that um, you still need people working warehouses to pack the vehicles overnight. The vehicles could absolutely go from point A to point B, but we still need to employ vehicles. And um, again, in your industries, I often hear this pushback from um, truck driver unions and drivers and uh, professional drivers. They think that the autonomous vehicle is going to get them out of a job. We still need people 
to do work. It just means that vehicles will be much safer on the road uh, towards Vision Zero strategy. We'll get closer to zero traffic-related fatalities, which is an important aspect of autonomy, but we still need to employ people. And it's important that we underscore that because often people think that autonomy means unemployment, and it absolutely does not mean unemployment. And so just to couch the discussion properly when you're talking to your customers about autonomy, um, just try to get to the root cause of where the question is going. And I would certainly think that we think it's a bright future for autonomous vehicles in terms of traffic-related fatalities and safety on the road. We also think that it will improve the work lives of the people that are uh, people on the road so that they can be very professional and perform those goods and services that um, that we require as, uh, as people. Yeah, and this is uh, Adam, just to, <clears throat> just to add on, you know, we, we see... Uh, totally agree, um, and we we see the uh, kind of what we do is transitioning from monitoring how the driver is driving um, to monitoring the mobile workplace, right? So it's it's there are things that you're supposed to be doing in your workplace, and you have to trust your 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 driver or what is now, you know, kind of um, you know, it could be doing any number of things in the vehicle if you're under true you know autonomous driving conditions. Um, so we think that whether you're unloading things, you, you might want a camera back there to make sure that things are being lifted the right way, whether it's, again, cutting the lawn, making sure things that people are doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, so we see this, the, the market changing from how you're driving and are you doing a good job driving to, you know, what are you doing, when, what are you supposed to be doing when you're in that vehicle, and then doing some monitoring to make sure you're actually doing that. Um, and even, even you know, airplanes have been able to fly to, to take off and land autonomously for decades, and you still have a pilot, you know, in the vehicle, or I'm sorry, in the in the plane. So we see um, uh, vehicles being the exact same way. You're still going to have a pilot. It's just going to be a different job. They're going to be piloting and probably also doing something a little bit different than they, they traditionally have done. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Colin. So we're going to end the session. We have a couple minutes, uh, and I just wanted to remind everyone, those that have joined us uh, in the middle of the session, you can go back in and listen to the entire session uh, with the on-demand recording. Once again, we want to thank Adam McCarthy from Lytix and also Colin Sutherland from Geotab for joining us today. Uh, we hope you found today's webinar informative. If there's any additional questions, feedback, I have posted Frank. Frank's contact details uh, on your screen at this time. And once again, all the questions we will get back to uh, each and every one uh, offline. And we want to uh, thank everyone for joining us today. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you.